Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, March 5th, 2023 from the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 6. Okay, everybody, I, I want to start with a question, and this is an answer out loud question. So if this is something that you identify with or you feel, don't be shy. Go ahead and take some courage and answer. You might encourage somebody else. Here's question number one. Uh, does anybody in here ever get worried about stuff? Yes. All right, that's good. We can all agree we're all on the same page there. That's fantastic. Okay, um, you know, uh, anybody worry about money? Yes. Anybody that has kids, you worry about your kids? Anybody ever worry about getting sick? Yeah. Anybody worried about the offense of the basketball team for the University of Tennessee? Yes. We're pretty worried about that. It's not looking good, folks, as we enter March. Um, yeah, we all, we all have stuff that we get worried about. Um, okay, here's my next question. Um, those of you, which is a lot of us, who experience what it feels like to get worried, do you ever have anybody in your life that just says, don't worry about it? You have that person? Follow-up question, do you hate that person? Like, just don't. Just, just that thing you feel, just don't feel it. It's like, when, it's like if you were to, you know that feeling when you like are walking around your house and you walk past a piece of furniture and that little bittiest toe gets crushed on the corner of that piece of furniture and you immediately feel all of that pain in the back of your eye socket, just like immediately your brain is just like, that feels terrible. It's like if somebody said, don't feel that. It's like, look, I might not cry, I might suck it up, but I feel it. I don't have like a light switch on pain. That's not the way that, that's not the way that works. And I don't think worry really works that way either. Worry is something that I didn't choose. It's not like I went to the closet, you know, picking out the clothes for the day. It's like, I think I'll be really anxious today. That sounds super duper fun. That's not the way that works. It kind of comes on you. The question is, what do you do with it when you feel it? It's not like, uh, you know, it's like to take those worried thoughts out of your brain. It's not like taking mail out of your mailbox or taking a pizza out of the oven or something. It's just, it's not that simple. And yet, in the scripture that Anna read to us that we're going to read again here in a few minutes, Jesus flat out says, do not worry. Don't worry about your life. Don't do it. And you're like, well, you're going to have to help me out. And we're going to look at that. Before we do, just a reminder, in these weeks of the season of Lent leading up to Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday morning, we are looking at moments in the Gospels when Jesus said something, an insight in one of his teachings and one of his parables that was like so brilliant, like this insight into the human condition and situation that you're like, that is amazing. There was a moment in Luke chapter 22 where Jesus told his guys, go into the city, you'll see this guy with a water jar on his head, follow him. When he goes into the house, you go into the house, and everything will be set up for Passover. It's like this heist type of situation, and they followed the guy, and it says in Luke 22, when they got there, they found that everything was exactly as Jesus said it would be. Well, there's a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of moments in the teachings of Jesus, and the words of Jesus, that when you experience it, and when you live it, you find out, that's just like Jesus said it would be. We've talked about a few of these, but there are a lot of them. Tom and I were saying last week, we could just keep going with this, like for a long, long, long time. There's a place where Jesus says, if you try to hold on to your life and keep it, you'll actually lose it. But if you give your life away for my sake, 
you'll actually find it. And when you experience that, you find out that's just like Jesus said it would be. There's a place where Jesus says, look, I know you want everybody in your life to know, to to have a relationship with God and everything, but sometimes you realize that in certain relationships, you've just got to hit pause and dust your shoes off and walk out of there. He said, don't throw your pearls before swine, or they might turn and, and turn on you and trample you. And you find out sometimes in some relationships, that's exactly like Jesus said it would be. And it would be better for you and for me for right now if we just leave that. There's all kinds of stuff that Jesus said that you live it and you find out it's just like Jesus said it would be. Okay, so we're going to read again in Mark, or Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, and this is it, this is this little moment of insight, this little thing that when you experience it and you live it, you find out this is just as Jesus said it would be. Here we go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so I want to look at this because we all kind of got on a similar page, most of us anyway, that we all worry about stuff from time to time, and we all feel that. And we've all had people in our life who tell us, well, just don't. Just don't do that. And we don't like the way that feels because, you know, again, what I, I didn't, this is not like a willful sin that I'm choosing or something like that. Actually, C.S. Lewis said that, that uh, in, a, in a book called Letters to Malcolm, he said, he said, worry, anxiety, that's not a sin in the way other things are sin. He said, it's more like an affliction. It's more like getting sick. It's not something you chose. It's something that happens to you. And I want to pause before we go too much farther with this and talk about the fact that even though all of us know how it feels to worry about stuff, there are those of us who experience this in a different way and on a different level. There are folks who have this, if it is, if C.S. Lewis is right, if it's more of an affliction than it is, you know, like an addiction or a sin or something I willfully chose, there are some people that have the affliction in a deeper way, in a way that sometimes even prevents them from you know, having the normal quality of life that they would like to. They just experience it deeper. And one thing that I want to say is when, when folks have that situation, if somebody in your life says, well, you just need to have more faith or you just need to pray or you just need to, you know, get over it or get past it. One, I don't think that's a very cool thing to say. And two, I hope nobody ever says it to me. But I will say this. I do believe that the Lord has created these brilliant people 
called counselors and therapists who have studied and have worked and who care about listening to you. And I think he puts those people into our lives for a reason. I also think that the Lord has created these amazing people called chemists, and they have come up with brilliant medicines who also help us in times like that when we need them. And so I would say that things like counseling and therapy and medication, those might be something that the Lord wants to use to help us get through that stuff. Does that make sense? So we don't need to discount those things as if they're not for us because we know the Lord. Not only that, but there are things that, even if you're not someone who struggles a lot, a lot with anxiety or worry, there are things that all of us could do, just change some things about our life to help us deal with things like worry. I mean, this is a very distractible, noisy world. Maybe one of the things that we all need to get a little bit better at is learning how to quieten this world down a little bit for us, to slow down the way that we think. To learn, you know, things like meditation. This, this could be a really good thing for us. Maybe there are scriptures that would bring, just bring your mind and your heart to a place of peace and connect you with the Holy Spirit. And maybe we need to work on getting those scriptures down into our heart and mind so that when we do have a moment that's difficult, we have something immediately to go to. Maybe we need to work on some memorization. Maybe there are some things that you've got in your life, and you need to build a little borderland around that and not let those certain relationships or those certain things or those social media accounts or something into your world. You might need to set up some boundaries. And maybe there are some friends that when you are having a hard time, you don't, sometimes you feel awkward, sometimes you feel a little embarrassed, but you know that every time you take that courageous step of reaching out to them, it helps and you feel better. All of us, no matter how much you struggle with worry or anxiety, all of us could use someone to talk to, right? We all need to work on things like meditation, memorization, build some boundaries, have some buddies. We all need to add these things into our life to help us deal with this stuff. And then we turn to this scripture where Jesus plainly says, do not worry, don't do it. Now, the thing that, that I love about this scripture is that Jesus doesn't leave it there. Okay, he doesn't just say, just stop. Just flip the light switch and just don't do it. Because I think that Jesus knows that thinking doesn't work that way. You can't just take the pizza out of the oven and then the oven's fine. That's not the way your brain works. Like if I was to tell you right now, whatever you do, guys, whatever you do, do not imagine in your brain a pink school bus. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't imagine a two-toned pink school bus, you know, light pink, hot pink with some fuchsia wheels. Don't do it. Don't think about that bus. There's a high percentage of us in this room that are just thinking about that bus because that's the way thinking works. And sometimes things that make you worried or afraid, they just start knocking on your brain. For me, sometimes it's early in the morning and it's like always like 45 minutes before my alarm. And I'm like, come on, brain. All you had to do was wait 45 more minutes. We had already agreed to wake up then. And those things are like, no, 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 we're thinking about this now. And by the way, we're thinking about this at about 7,000 RPM. So get ready to sweat, get ready to get up. That's the way my brain works. I didn't choose it, it just comes in. Here's what I love about what Jesus says. He doesn't just say, do not worry, because he understands that in order to take some thought out of your head, you're gonna have to have some other thought that you put into it. So what he says is, don't worry about your life, but instead replace that thoughts with seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all those things will be added to you. He said, who by worrying can add any, even an hour to their life? You can't do it. 
He said, but do this instead. Don't worry, but instead, seek first the kingdom. And you're like, okay, so what are you talking about? What does it mean and how do you do it? Okay, here we go. First of all, the question that kind of hits me first is like, are you talking about, are you talking about heaven? Like the kingdom of heaven? Like I'm supposed to be like thinking about the fact that one day I get to go to heaven. So that's the big thing that's going to make me not worried about my life. And maybe, I mean, maybe that would help you. There are times when I think about the fact that, um, yeah, I can't imagine this getting much worse. So thankfully, I guess one day I'll be dead and then I'll go to heaven. (laughs) I mean, so maybe that's a helpful thought sometimes when you're worried. But actually, I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here because yes, when you leave this world, when you close your eyes on this world, you are gonna go, if you've known, if you come to know Jesus, you're gonna go straight into the kingdom of heaven. You're gonna go straight into the presence of Jesus. Yes, but the kingdom started the moment for you. It started the moment that you called on the name of Jesus. You actually live in two realities at once. Now, this is going to get a little science fiction-y, but hang with me, okay? Lean forward if you need to. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I possibly can. Hopefully, I understand it simply so that we can say it simply. But you live right now in two kingdoms. You got your feet in both kingdoms right now. The kingdom is not just then. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, He rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and He brought us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Both of those verbs are in the past tense. When you called on Jesus, he rescued you in the past tense and he brought you into the kingdom of his beloved son in the past tense. You are already in two realms at once. Okay, so you're in the kingdom, the realm of this world, the one you can see, the one that you experience, the one with, you know, convenience stores and credit scores, you know, the one where you could get super overwhelmed or you might just get bored. Like, you live in this place, this place that's full of challenges, this place that's full of competition, this place that's full of calamity. And here's the thing about that is when you are paying attention to and you are just living in this world you can see and experience, there are several things that happen. This kingdom, this realm, tells you you have constantly got to prove yourself. You are constantly having to prove who you are, why you belong, and that is a lot to be thinking about. And it's a lot to emotionally deal with because this is a, this is a kingdom, a realm full of challenges. You're constantly having to win here. You cannot fail here. And so, the, you know, it's like this is, a, this is a realm full of competition. It's a realm full of challenge. It's full of competition. You've got to prove yourself. You've got to win. You cannot fail. And it's a world full of calamity. You've got to know how to fix it. You've got to know how to find solutions to your problems. This is the thing that you are experiencing all day long. When you go to work, when you go home, when you're walking around here, you've got to prove yourself. You cannot fail. And all the solutions are on your back to fix it and find it and find the, solve the problem. Guys, no wonder you're so worried. That's terrible. You're always having to prove yourself. You're always having to fix it. You're always having to win. You can't fail. That's what this little realm is like that we're in. But you live in two realms at once. What's cool about this scripture, this thing that Jesus says, when he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, That word seek, you know, remember a few verses earlier when Jesus said, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. He said, the people that don't have any relationship with God, they run after all that stuff. 
so that word seek the kingdom, that, that is the exact, that is built on the same word that that word run is from. He's saying the people that don't know God, they're running after all this stuff. You run after something different. You run after the other realm, the realm of the king. That's what we're supposed to be running after. So what is the other realm like? I want to talk for just a couple minutes about what the realm of the King Jesus is like. There's this really cool thing where um, at the beginning of that passage that Anna read, that I read a few minutes ago, he says, he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? In other words, it does you no good. It doesn't actually fix your problems. It usually just raises your blood pressure. Maybe you sweat a few calories off, but it does no good. It doesn't fix what you're going through, and you can't actually add an hour to your life. You can't add anything. And then he says, when you seek first the kingdom, when you run after the other realm, the realm of King Jesus, he said, all these things will be added to you. Who can add an hour to their life? All these things will be added to you. That's the same word. I looked it up in the original language. This is just cool. I'm not going to hang my hat on this, but it's just cool, and I wanted to tell you about it. It's the Greek. It's, if you were to read it or just hear somebody say it, it sounds and looks exactly like the word prosthetic. Like, you know, when somebody has an injury or an accident or in battle, they, you know, they, or through a sickness, they lose a limb. And then some brilliant person makes like a replacement limb, like a replacement foot or hand or arm or something like that. And then they're able to carry on their life. I mean, have you seen these people that run like marathons on those like prosthetic like those, I guess they're like springs. It's brilliant. It's amazing. And all of a sudden, a person in some ways who was broken is experiencing this full life. I mean, I don't want to run marathons, but I'm so glad you want to. And I'm glad you now can. That's so cool. Okay, so here's something really, really cool about the realm of the King Jesus that you are already living in. You get to be a broken person who needs help, who needs a prosthetic who needs somebody to give you something that you didn't have on your own, and now that they gave it to you, you are whole again, and you can make it. That's really cool news. That's what the realm of the, of, of the king is like. Now, this one that we can see, the kingdom that you see and walk through experience all the time, you've always got to prove yourself, and you've got to be strong enough, and you've got to be amazing. Not in the realm of King Jesus. And if you've been waiting on your amen, there's a really good spot right there. You get to be broken and needy, and somebody gives you for free everything you need. That's pretty awesome. Okay, and that's pretty cool. Okay, Jesus said, let me tell you something else about the, the realm of the king. Jesus said, don't worry about, what you're, about your clothes, what you're going to wear. I was thinking about him, and I was thinking about a moment where all of a sudden, he didn't have control over what was going on with his clothes. I was thinking about Jesus on the cross. Before they crucified Jesus, they stripped him. They took all of his clothes. He had this, 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 uh, this long shirt that he used to wear, like underneath his jacket and stuff like that. It had, a, it had a, a collar that was all in one piece with no seam. Probably his mother made it for him. And it was super cool. And when they were, you know, they're ripping their, his clothes off of him to, to put him on the cross. And that one, they didn't tear it. They kept it because it was probably so awesome. And all of a sudden, these guys who had no business doing it, and it wasn't there. And by the way, his mother was there. They could have given it back to her, but they didn't. They start rolling dice for his clothes. And he's on the cross. He can't do anything about it. He can't say, let go of that. That's mine. And what are you going to do? Don't worry about your clothes, he said. I was thinking about the fact that when he was on the cross, 
we know for a fact that he was quoting, maybe singing, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We also know that when he was on the cross, he quoted Psalm 31. Now, when you learn music, like if I, like, you know, if I just dropped you in, if I said like one little phrase from the middle of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, most of you probably wouldn't be able to finish it. But if we started at the front, you could go all the way through the end. You wouldn't even be able to stop yourself. That's just the way that works. And that's the way they would learn the Psalms. They would just learn them and sing them straight through. So what if Jesus started at Psalm 22, verse 1, and he went all the way through to Psalm 31? When he said, into, into your hands I commit my spirit. Well, if he did that, and I bet you he did, that means he got to Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. And you know what Psalm twenty-two, eighteen says is, they divided my garments among them and they cast lots for my clothing. Why is that cool? It's cool because, yes, there's nothing he could do about it. He couldn't take his clothes back. He couldn't make them stop. But what was happening was foretold, Psalm 22 was written by King David 1,000 years before it happened. Here's something really, really cool. This kingdom that you walk around in and live and experience every single day, you, it's a world of competition. You have got to win. You cannot fail. And because of that, some of us experience worry. And I know for a fact, because some of you are my very dear friends and we talk about this, and I do too. Sometimes we experience worry and anxiety and fear because we have this thought, which is, I have failed in something and now I have ruined my life. I have screwed up, I have failed, and now I've ruined my life. And this is a world full of competition that says you have to win, you cannot fail. But when Jesus was on the cross, I bet you my bottom dollar, he was quoting Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, and reminding himself a thousand years ago, it said this was going to happen. Why is that important? Because I'm in a plan. Every single day, which by the way, let me say as in a sideline, we, we represent a, lo a lot of denominations in this church, wherever you came from. If you don't believe in predestination, that's totally cool. I'm not going to arm wrestle you about it. I just would say this, don't read the Bible <laughs> because you're not going to have a great time. Psalm 139 says, every single day of your life was written in a book before one of them came to be. Acts chapter 13 says Paul was preaching in Philippi and everyone who was appointed for eternal life believed. The scriptures are filled with prophecies that were, that were totally completed in the most minute detail, including this one. A thousand years before it happened, they divided my garments among them and they cast lots for my clothing. I'm, it, I'm not going to fail and ruin my life. I'm in the middle of a plan and I can't derail it. That's great news. That's super cool. The realm of the King Jesus is one where you get to be broken and needy and everything you need is given to you for free. Fantastic. The realm of the King Jesus is one where you're not going to fail and ruin this whole thing because you're part of a plan that was written down a long time before you were born, sweetheart. This is, you're in the middle of a plan and so am I. And that's fantastic news. Let me tell you one more thing about the realm of the King Jesus. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or your drink. Your father knows you need all this stuff. And he feeds birds, and you're like way more valuable than them. Don't ask Thomas Cox about it. He loves birds, maybe more than some of us. 
But to the Father, you're like way more important than birds, okay? I was thinking about a time when, when Jesus had an issue with, you know, what are we going to do for this food? And my mind went immediately to John chapter 6, where the disciples are, 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 and Jesus are surrounded by thousands and thousands of people in the green grass in the spring near the place where Philip was from. And Jesus turns to Philip because in between the wisdom being dropped, the only other thing you could hear was people's stomachs rumbling. And Jesus realizes they're starting to get hungry. He turns to Philip and says, hey, you're from here, where are we going to get some food to feed these people? And Philip's like, what? There's thousands of people. Like, are you asking which sandwich place I like the best? What are we going to, how are we going to do this? We can't feed all of these people. And John says the greatest thing. He says, Jesus was only messing with him. That's what it says in the original Greek. He says, Jesus was only messing with him because this is so cool. And this is going to be awesome about the realm of King Jesus. Jesus already had in his mind what he was going to do. You know, the, the world that you walk around in here and that you experience, this kingdom, this realm, this is a world of calamity. And it's up to you to fix it. You've got to have a solution for every problem. It's on your shoulders. You've got to bear the weight. And no wonder you're so worried all the time but you gotta run after a different realm. You are already in a realm where Jesus is at work and he already knows what he's going to do. Man, you don't have to shoulder it. I, I, I hope that what you're experiencing right now through the power of the Holy Spirit is just getting a little bit lighter as before you go into this week, just getting a little bit lighter. Man, I belong to a realm where I get to be broken and needy and everything I need is given to me for free, amen? I belong to a realm where it's not a, if I fail, I'm not going to ruin my life because I'm part of a plan that has already been written and I'm just in it. I can't derail that thing. I belong to a realm. I belong to a realm where Jesus is at work and he's the one with the solutions and he's the one fixing things and he already knows what he's going to do. Run after that realm. Okay, so how do you do that? All right, real quick, this is my last thing. Um, okay, do you guys know that, um, that phenomenon that they call an earworm? Do y'all know what that is? Okay, for those of you who don't know what that means, that means when you're going about your day and you're just chilling and you walk into some place, so you know, a bank or a coffee shop or a, a restaurant and some song is on the radio and immediately you go, oh great, that song's gonna be in my head for the rest of this stupid day. That's called an earworm. When some stupid song gets stuck in your head and you're like, I'll never unhear it. You know, you walk into a restaurant and the final countdown is on. And you're like, great. That's the rest of my day. That's the whole day. Or, you know, you're in a restaurant and that song by that Scottish band, The Proclaimers, comes on. I would walk 500 miles. And I would walk 500 more. Just to be the man who walks a thousand miles to fall down at your door. Like that's, and you're like, great. Thanks, dude. Or maybe you're a parent of young children and you just always hear the wheels on the bus. Yeah, baby shark and all the rest of it. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm not going to make any friends in this room and you're just going to have to love me through this. But for me, my version of this is the dang eagles. I can't stand them. I can't do the eagles, man. I don't want a peaceful, easy feeling. None of it. Don't miss me with that. Okay? Okay, so... The earworm thing is hard. You can't just say, stop thinking about, I would walk 500 miles. That's not the way your brain works. You can't just unthink it. So a couple of years ago, I came up with, I don't know if I'm the first person to do this, but as far as I know, maybe it's mine. 
patent pending. Um, I came up with a solution for the earworm, okay? This is really cool, if I've never told you this before. The only way to get a really annoying song out of your head once it's stuck in there is you have a pre-programmed better song that you inject in your brain once that happens. This is a really cool theory, okay? So whenever the final countdown or the proclaimers or the wheels on the bus get stuck in my head and I start singing it, I'm like, dang, I got this song stuck in my head. Then I just do this thing. It works every time. I go, wait a minute. And you know what my song is? Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. It's always indicated, as Tom Job would say. There's never a time that you don't want Stevie Wonder in your brain. I don't care who you are. I was talking to, about this to Tom and Thomas the other day at Bud's Coffee House, and I was like, yeah, so I just put the song uh, Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. We started singing the, the hook, and this lady behind us goes, I'm gonna have that song in my head for the rest of the day. And I said, you're welcome. That's a better day than the one you were having. Look, if there's something you need, if there's a, a song that you don't like that's running around in your brain over and over again, the way you get it out is you get a better song and you put it in there. So when you're worried and when you're afraid and you're feeling anxious, just remember it's because I am experiencing this, this realm, this one that I see, the one that's full of, of challenge and competition and calamity and I feel like I've got to carry it all and I've got to fix it all and I've got to do it all and I can't fail. And when that song starts running around in your brain, catch yourself and say, it's time to get a better song with a catchier hook in my brain. A song that says, I get to be broken and needy and I get everything I need for free. That's a good song. It's time to get that song in my head where I get to fail, I get to screw up, and I can't derail the perfect plan that's being written for me. I need a better song in my brain. I need that, I need that beautiful song in my brain that says, whatever the solution is, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to fix anything, which I really don't, so that really helps for me. But I know this, Jesus Christ is at work, and he already knows what he's going to do. Now, I'm not telling you that that's going to get rid of all your worry today like a light switch, but I will say this. If we start trying to do this a little bit, what if we grow a little bit by little bit? What if we start flexing and strengthening and developing the muscle of trust? That's where we're falling out. We need to flex and develop and grow the muscle of trust. I need a better song in my brain. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We love the fact that we're a part of a... <laughs> Just such a cooler realm. Help us to learn how to run to the realm of King Jesus, where you already have it worked out and where we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to be the ones carrying it all. We don't have to have a solution. You're telling us a story. And that is a sweet thing. Help us to grow and to develop the muscle of learning to trust you. It's in your precious name we pray, amen. Life seems to roll like a storm out of control There is so much I don't know that is in your plan You named every star